You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hey everyone, Andrew Apanov here, and you're listening to Music Growth Talks. This podcast is all about helping musicians, musicpreneurs, and uh, music business professionals grow their brands. And uh, I can do that thanks to the great guests who come to this uh, show. Uh, If you are new to Music Growth Talks, you can go to musicgrowthtalks.com and uh, find uh, links to this show on different platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn and so on. And also uh, uh, see the previous episodes, I'm pretty sure there will be something that uh, will help you at the current stage of your music or professional career. Uh, So there is uh, a lot of really cool conversations with um, uh, musicians, uh, music industry experts, uh, tech startup founders, and so on. Today we are going to talk about radio airplay, or specifically how to monitor radio airplay and how exactly it can benefit you. It's never been easier thanks to uh, one uh, particular startup from Denmark called WARM, W-A-R-M, or capital letters, it stands for World Airplay Radio Monitor, just in case. And today's guest on this very podcast is Jasper Skibsby, the founder of the company, and uh, he's going to share a lot of good stuff about how exactly uh, their platform works, uh, why it's uh, available to everyone, and how exactly uh, the data from this platform can help you out uh, with um, earning more money, finding new territories to perform at, and so on. Without further ado, listen on and let me know what you think later in the comments on SoundCloud, as a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever you prefer, you can also drop me an email or tweet. We'll really appreciate your thoughts on that. Thank you. Jasper, welcome to Music Growth Talks. Really cool to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Andrew. I do have a bunch of questions to you, as you can imagine, about WOM and, uh, and, and what you guys do and uh, about radio play and all this good stuff. But before we get there, do you mind sharing a bit of your background, maybe a, a brief story or a long story, whatever you prefer, and how you ended up doing what you do? Sure. Um, well, actually, I took an education in shipping. So I worked with the ships you know getting um products from one port to another and i started uh, making some events in a danish city and uh, they were pretty good so somehow i managed to make more money out of the parties than being at the office so i i quit the office job and went full-time uh, promoter and then i kind of pivoted towards management and uh, you know the record label side and and uh, I was also DJ at some point, but uh, the problem was that I was not necessarily the best DJ, and I found out there were others that were that that had a lot more potential. So that's how I. That's I the story of my life. Yeah, the, the the how I came into the management side of it, and then my brother was a very uh, or is still a very big DJ, so I kind of helped him a little bit, gone into touring. Um so I kind of uh, worked around everything from touring to management to running record labels 
promotion, A&R, and everything in between. And at some point, I think it's probably around four years ago or something, one of my bands had, I found out that we had a lot of action in a Polish radio station from other sources. And that was something that I was really interested about because I, I, I didn't really see any other products out there catering for the upcoming segment or, you know, someone like me who didn't have any employers and was running my own company. We couldn't afford like IFPI certified solutions or the, the solutions that major labels has and publishers and so on. So that was kind of where I, I got the idea of building warm and making uh, radio airplay data accessible and available to to everyone basically yeah so w- w- look where w- when you had uh, these w- w- this situation and you and you faced the the challenge of sorts so did you look up the existing solutions and like and there was none available on the market or you are in the competitive space so to vote those listeners of ours who don't know much about this space it's all to like- monitor airplay I think the the solutions that exist currently is uh, services that helps, you know, large companies or basically they're very expensive solutions and they only monitor very large stations or commercial radios. And so basically, as I see it, it's mostly accessible to very big clients and big companies and not so much for the you know, the long tail of the industry. And, and most of your clients are independent musicians, from what I understand. Both yes and no. Of course, we have a lot of in that segment, but we also now see a lot of radio promoters and record labels, publishers as well. So it's it's, it's getting very um, spread. And, you know, we can see also that some of the users is working pretty big artists like, we just uploaded something from Groove Amarda, uh, Hot Sins eighty two, and so there's some, there are some pretty big artists using it, but not directly. Then it's like their promoter or the label. Yeah, or that like makes that. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. It's really cool. Congrats on closing some bigger deals, and it makes sense on publishers and record labels using the platform as well. So without giving away you any, you know in-house uh, know-hows and secrets like anything uh, you can share on how you managed to create a tool that is affordable available to everyone and maybe comments on how effective you are in tracking radio play uh, yeah sure so basically the technology that we use is uh, music recognition or audio fingerprint recognition in other words so basically it's an algorithm that does a a unique fingerprint of the audio file based on various parameters. It could be acoustics, BPM, brightness in the sound, vocals, and stuff like that. Um, but these parameters creates a unique fingerprint ID, which then are used to compare on on all the stations that we monitor. So basically, it's just about making a uh, collision between the file and where it's being used and then produce that information or deliver that information back to to whoever wants it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So the technology is developed by a German company based at Fraunhofer Institute. It's a big university in, in Germany. 
And so basically the technology is something that we license specifically for this purpose and building the company around that. So it's more about building or creating the product in a way so it's affordable and accessible and useful for everyone instead of only, you know, the top one percenters, for example. Yeah, that's really cool. So what are the most typical use cases? So how do your clients usually use the platform clearly to, you know, track your monitor radio play? But what are yeah. the, I mean, what's, uh, what are the insights? So what do people do with the data from what you've seen? It may be very, you know, an obvious question. I don't think it's necessarily always straightforward for because it may be different for different types of entities. But yeah, how does it look like? I think it's roughly it's divided into two categories. So it's basically insights for promotional marketing, booking, etc. Um, purposes. And then it's kind of like evidence or proof for collections, royalty collections in, in one way. So um, what I experience the most is that people use it to understand where they have emerging markets or markets they did not know of. So, for example, if you're a jazz musician in Bulgaria and you release a song, you would, you know, per definition, expect that your listeners are in Bulgaria and your fan base is in Bulgaria. You know, maybe you have someone in Ukraine or other similar countries in that region, for example, but at least you don't think that you have any airplace in, you know, UK or US or South America or something like that. So what we see is a lot of, because the existing solutions have, you know, only monitored the, for example, the, the big commercial stations in specific countries where they anticipate the airplace, people are, are missing a lot of valuable insights. And that's what we see now with our users on Warm is that they suddenly find out that this jazz musician actually has airplays on a jazz station in Arizona or in, I don't know, Connecticut or Bolivia or something. And that is, of course, extremely valuable for this artist because potentially the royalties in that area are, you know, could be big or small, you know, if it's, it's a station or they could be non-existing if the agreements in that territory is not good, for example. But regardless, they can use it for, for example, getting more airplays on that radio station, communicating with the radio station, and using that information to lever- on the leverage to get, for example, a gig there. And that gig could potentially be, va- be more value than the potential royalties. But then again, you also have, you know, for example, companies that publishers, for example, or record labels, who wants to have evidence towards the organizations to actually try and collect missing missing royalties. And in that sense, what I experienced myself with the story from Poland was that actually we, the Polish societies that have agreements with this radio station, they never reported any airplays from my, my band so I had to go to the Danish societies with my evidence, which they then took to the Polish societies as evidence, which then they took to the radio station. And suddenly they came back and found the exact amount of radio, radio airplays. So that means that we are basically entitled to some money, which were not, you know, no one knew of because no one had reported it. The radio station hadn't reported it. 
Why? I don't know. It could be an intern who should, you know, report the music and then they didn't know the name of the band or whatever. Everything could happen. And that's not the important side. The important side is that that we find a way to kind of go from reporting to actually monitoring or as I try to say, knowing. So in a short sense, what we see the most is that people experience traction and activity in areas they had no clue of. And then why is that? That is basically because music is global nowadays. And when something is online and released, it's, it's accessible to everyone everywhere. And a lot of different, you know, for there's lots of different um, algorithms that recommend music, both on Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Which means that if I release a song today, it could be exposed to a guy who is in, again, Brazil or Canada or something. And if he likes it and he wants to play it on a radio station, he'll just do that. And I will never understand or see that data unless I use something that knows what happens globally with my music, not only in a secluded area or in my local market, because that's what I anticipate, but really get try to collect as much as possible globally. Yeah, makes sense. And I uh, appreciate you explaining that. I really like the examples you gave on, on uh, following up with uh, a radio station, maybe considering touring the area where you see lots of radio play right away is not something you want to do without further additional research, but you can run some Facebook, targeted Facebook ads and things like that to really test the market and see if uh, there is uh, this kind of big potential. Yeah, so that quite makes sense. I was about to ask you about reporting and to the local societies, to whatever forming rights organization you're using. Do you have any... So what you mentioned was a, a really great example of how to handle that. So do you basically recommend using these data and go back to your to the organization you're affiliated with? What are the other ways maybe to handle that if you don't see the same place reported that you see in WOM? Yes, of course. If you, for example, in my case, I knew we had 500 airplays on one specific station in Poland. And I did my research. I knew it was a significant radio station. I knew that both Danish collection societies asked the Polish societies if they had 100% reporting from the station. And they said they had that. So I expected that they would collect this information. Two years later, I can see that we haven't received any money from this territory via our organization. So for me, it was, of course, a, a natural way of, of saying, hey, I have all the information since the last two years, so why haven't received any money? And nobody could answer me that question, and nobody have still answered that question. Still, again, we don't even know how much money we are entitled to, but at least they found out that we were missing money from the airplay. So I'm not saying like the organizations in general do a bad job, but a lot of the organizations really should update their way of of working and their way of reporting yeah there there is quite a few issues with with that and how things are organized and sometimes it's a quite outdated approach and technology so it's good to have a tool you can rely on to monitor these things yourself it's a little provocative for someone but i really think that artists themselves should 
collect their own data sets and not necessarily rely on their label doing it or their publisher doing it or their organization doing it or whatever. Because it's like if you're an artist, your creations is your work and your products and you should take that responsibility yourself. I understand if you are, you know, a major artist touring and and all that and you have a lot of people to handle that shit, maybe you can at least ask them how they do different things, but all the other ones, the, the remaining 99% of the industry, uh, I really think that it's time for them to take the control of what's going on with their music and where and how they can use it and make sure that the right people around them are using it. Because if, if you have airplays in a specific country, then you know you can tell your booking agent to activate that country or that area or at least try to. The same way you know you can control your radio promoter. If you hired a radio promoter, which in many cases are pretty expensive, it does make sense that you actually control their work instead of relying on them telling you what happened with the music on which stations. The same way your label can use it for promotional aspects and and so on. So I think it's really important that especially the upcoming segment and the ones who are trying to be successful, that they value their key information and their data sets the same way as they value the music and the instruments and, you know, everything else around creating good music. Yeah, I really like that. But I, I was uh, going to ask you something else, uh, kind of, uh, if you have uh, a recommendation on uh, which songs to monitor. Clearly, you want as many songs to be added to the system as possible because it directly affects, affects how much people pay you for the service. But do you have any recommendation on uh, just uh, if there is a fresh new album? There is one related question which may be a bit... Uh, tough one if you've seen any correlation with you know streaming platforms like spotify traction for so on and radio play but yeah just overall like what do you do recommend focusing on singles which are most radio friendly and which have been pushed the most clearly there is a radio plugin promotion you know campaign happening then it's what you want to monitor if it's a specific song but if there is no dedicated campaign happening for one particular song and there is an album of course if you are working a specific single i would recommend of course that that's the one you track if you have to choose but of course if you released an album last year it could make sense to maybe monitor the music that are not you know singles but as mentioned like you know i would of course recommend that you upload as as much music as possible but Of course, it's, you know, up to the individual how much you can afford and where it makes sense. But of course, the songs that you can see, you know, have two million streams on Spotify, maybe that would make sense to track that. But if you only have, you know, 1000 plays in five months on Spotify, maybe that is not the first thing you should track. So, of course, I would recommend that you work from the top down. And in terms of you know, genres and, and and what kind of music trends on radio, yeah. etc. That's, of course, very tricky, tricky question. But, for example, Hudson's 82, his uh, manager is using our service. And, and um, I was just interested because I'm a big fan of him. He makes tech house. It's not necessarily something that you 
think is radio friendly. And I would expect a lot of tech house producers or DJs, they would say that it makes no sense to track my music on radio because it's not, <laughs> it's not radio music. And that's kind of where, you know, the industry has failed a little bit because, for example, in this situation with Hudson's 82 and, and his la- last single, it has like now 1 million streams on Spotify. And that's not a lot, right? But in the same period of time, and that was like two months, it has, I think it had like 3,000 radio spins in 40 different countries. So then you can see 1 million streams on Spotify versus 3,000 radio spins. What is the, where is the most value? And I, I don't know what that is, but I would expect that the radio is, and I would say, in, especially in this uh, genre, there could be a tendency to say, you know, people who listen to techno and tech house they usually does not use Spotify or a streaming service. Maybe they use, you know, they want to go and see it live or they purchase the track on Beatport and then they have it on stored or they, you know, or they listen to it in, in specialist radio or internet radios from other countries, etc. The same with classic music. You know, I, I don't think necessarily that a lot of old people who are probably the, the general listener of classic music Classical music is using Spotify. Maybe they're using, you know, again, uh, radios or, you know, putting on a vinyl or or something else. So, of course, there's, you know, tendencies in different genres and especially in territories. In, for example, as you probably know, in Eastern Europe, um, how do you say, hard music it could be drum and bass, dubstep, uh, metal, uh, rock, stuff like that. That is more commercial than it is in, in, in Western Europe. Whereas, for example, in South Europe, uh, Spain, Ibiza, these sunny places, you know, club music is more commercial than in other places. Whereas you can see, of course, in, 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 uh, in um, South America, Latin America, Latin music and bossa nova and these other, you know, um, genres are much more commercial in, for example, in Europe and so on and so on. So if you kind of know these tendencies or understand that, you know, potentially I would like my song to be pushed in the UK, maybe I have a really good option in Latvia. Maybe that makes more sense to have a big success in a small country or a small market instead of having a very, very small activity in a very big market. Yeah, what we see even at the agency and just just looking at the different artists popping up from different countries, oftentimes musicians are frustrated because uh, there is no scene for their genre. Uh, it, there is just there, there are no there is no demand, not not enough demands, uh, not not enough fans and no venues to perform at and so on. So it's very important to go global in a smart way with their music and find new markets where there may be a lot more interest for that. It's a challenging marketing question, how exactly to do that. There is social media and all this good stuff for that, but I really like the um, just yeah the idea of monitoring the radio play just to see if it's organically picked up by someone. Because, yeah, to me, one radio station playing you may be worth... Um, I don't know, 100 just regular random spins. So if an influencer is uh, picked you up, it can mean something. 
of course, it's very difficult and impossible almost to say how much is one radio spin worth in terms of streams or money. It depends on a lot of factors. For example, you know, as I usually use an example, college radios in, in the U.S. And, and Canada and speci especially, they are very, very down with playing new music. Because, you know, imagine a guy who is the, the radio host at this campus or, you know, he, he's there because he wants, he loves music and he loves to discover new music and he wants to play new music for his audience at the campus. He's not getting paid, you know, that he's doing that out of the love of music. So he's not going to play the biggest hits. So, for example, in that extent, you know, you can sit in a, you know, in a, in, I don't know, Bulgaria and potentially get music on the radio in a college radio in, in Canada or somewhere else. And, and, if, if, and if you can penetrate something like that, you actually have a, a unique geographic and demographic information because it's potentially you're not going to get a lot of money from the airplays or maybe nothing. But the value of being played in a very, very unique and closed environment in, um, in for example, Canada or the U.S., where there will be a lot of the same people, uh, you know, they're all between 25 and 30 and they all live in a very, you know, close area and they all probably have similar um, interests and so on and so on. You have actually some really, really good insights that you can use for, you know, for example, getting a gig there or something like that compared to if you just see like on Spotify, oh, I'm... All my plays are, all, most of my plays are from Mexico. It's like, what, what do you mean Mexico? It's like <laughs> it's the biggest city in the world. So, so in that way, you can use the, the data very intelligent and even small stations can be very valuable. And then the next question is, what is a small stage radio station? Because, you know, maybe from a major perspective, a college radio is very small, but if you make you know, electronic music in Latvia, you know, maybe it's a pretty big <laughs> radio station, the, the college radio in, in Toronto, for example. So it's also very individual, I guess. Not, not to offend our, uh, any electronic music producers from Latvia and that's listening to us right now. <laughs> But oh, no, yeah, no, 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 your point is clear. That's a good, good, uh, good example then. Yeah. No, that it does make sense. I would pay a lot of attention to smaller... Uh, stations if I see some traction there and I think they may be uh, a lot more approachable so it, it should be completely possible to find the person running a radio or a curate uh, someone responsible for, for programming a bigger station or whatnot yeah, um, yeah. like so as soon as you have something you can show that you have basically proof of something that is happening You can then go to similar stations, either in other countries or in, in the local area, and use the same information to get more exposure, to basically yeah. prove that you have some, something going on. Like, yeah, you, we, we've just covered a lot of good uh, information and topics here. Uh, something that we, we talked about earlier, you mentioned uh, tracking, you know, songs that from an album, for example, which may be performing well and so on. I think it's important to mention that there is some limitations to uh, to the data, to how long you store the data, how much in the past we can look, right? 
So if I've got an album released a year ago, does it make sense to submit any of the songs? Like, will I see past spins as well? Well, yes. So basically, whenever a song is activated, the historical data is available. The more historical data that you want, it's kind of the the more expense, the, the bigger expense to storage the data. Therefore, the, the, the price will also increase. So in this version of Warm, we have focused around making it as affordable as possible. So you can have one month of historical data or three months of historical data. But theoretically, we can open up and you know give you four years of historical data. Mm-hmm. It's not the right time for us to... To roll that out, but very soon we will be able to. You will be able to purchase a historical report, for example, for labels and publishers who are maybe not necessarily interested in real-time data, mm-hmm. but want, you know, historical data. What happened with my song the last twelve months? So that is a new feature where people can just basically download a historical reports for as much data as we have stored. So good to know. Okay, good good to know. And so uh, thanks for sharing. So this is a really neat feature. Uh, not you know, it's not it's not something that's all users of yours will need, but it's still good to know. So you you mentioned the uh, the different plans you've got. So as of now, uh, clearly to anyone listening to these recordings maybe happening in the future just go check out uh, you know the either the show notes for the link so just go to warmmusic.net to check out the current pricing but for those listening to us you know the recent soon after the episode was released what's the current pricing model for warm the current pricing model is a bit different than other similar services. So I'm, I know that most people are used to paying, you know, $9.99 or something like that. And then you get everything from an artist, for example, in other services. But ours is a little bit different because we're not using scraping. We're not using like cheap methods. It's actually a little bit expensive to handle the technology, but actually for the individual, because it's per track or per song purchase, then it's quite affordable, as I see it. So you can choose one month, three month, six month, and 12 month subscription. So basically, the idea is that the longer you subscribe your song, or the more, the cheaper it gets, and the more features you get. So for example, uh, one month is uh, six euro per month, but if you subscribe 12 months, it's basically three euro per month. So let's say around 39 euro for a year. But if you sign up for a year, then you have, you know, as mentioned before, three months of historical data available at all time. And you can also actually change the song once every month. So in case you don't have any more airplays on a specific song, you can just change that subscription um, to another song. So it's, of course, a, a little bit different than others, you know, similar products. But I think it's important that people can choose the songs individually and not, you know, have to pay for, you know, an artist for 99 or something if that artist only have one song for example makes sense according to your pricing page you also offer contact information of radio station on this long term yes. 
Yeah, uh, we, plans. We have added uh, quite a lot of radio station contacts as well. We haven't done that with all 25,000 radio stations we cover. But we've with selected radio station more to figuring out if it's something that people would would need you know need or would want and so on because even though you get the informations to the radio stations that maybe not as it's not necessarily enough to get your music on radio so there's no like we cannot guarantee anything but it was more like hey we got the radio stations we have the contacts why not you know put them. Get, make them available to the existing clients so yeah it's just an additional feature so so people like at least have some options to do something directly got it got it and no the the pricing model i think is very straightforward so it's uh it, it makes sense with the person submission really cool stuff too so yeah anyone interested just check out the websites and see if it's the right thing for you uh one of my goals here was to get a better understanding of how it all works and what are the practical implementations, uh, how exactly this information can be used. So uh, evaluating the uh, ROI you know, of every single tool is quite important for artists and this is what many musicians ask us about when we you know, recommend a new tool, like how exactly it will pay off. So I hope that everything you shared will help our listeners and get a better idea of how exactly it can pay off. To me, it's quite clear. I mean, it's definitely may not necessarily be the best idea to submit a song for monitoring if you don't have any, you know, traction at all, but then no one prevents you from trying it for like a month and seeing maybe you yes, will discover exactly. something. What I mean, like, even if you expect nothing, you know, you could get surprised and it would not cost you a lot. Like even, you know, now we have a free trial, so everyone can just try a, a month for free. So, you know, you can make your own decision if it's if it's worth uh, continuing to pay for or not. That's really cool. Cool, good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of these nitty gritty details. I really like going deep into understanding how a platform uh, works all clear. Do you have any final recommendation to musicians in the first place listening to us right now in terms of maybe monitoring anything really not necessarily radio play or pitching to radio station or anything related? Well, of course, everything starts with, you know, creating good music, right? And now we are in a very interesting situation in the music industry where there's i have heard everything from 10,000 to 30,000 new songs uploaded every day on streaming services so i'm not sure what the right number is but at least i can tell it's a lot i think someone told me that what is uploaded on spotify one day would take you 70 days to listen to if you did it 24 hours for 70 days so there is just so much music out there that it is important that, of course, you create good music, but besides from that, that you collect the data and you understand the data. And I, I know data is not a specifically a, a sexy word if you're a, you know, an artist or, or a creator or you have an artistic mindset, but it is important that you find solutions that caters your needs to understand what's going on with your music 
and not just looking at that information on how can I collect the money from that exploitation. There could be some other information that could be much more valuable. For example, understanding a market to see, hey, I can actually get gigs here. Like as we all know, you know, the, you know, the live, the live industry is where there's most money to be made. And if you are an upcoming artist, it's important that you also get some money out of it. So instead of trying to chase, uh, you know, difficult money through companies and organizations who are maybe not necessarily prioritizing you as as an upcoming artist, it's about understanding what can I get out of this information. And if you, for example, can establish a personal relationship with a radio host, that is a tremendous value. But it's not necessarily something you can say, well, that's 10 euros worth or 1,000 euros worth. It's, it's not measured that way, the way I see it. But I think it's, it's extremely important that at least the upcoming segment and, and the new artists out there understand how valuable it is to collect all kinds of data. And not necessarily only radio, but also try to look, you know, for patterns. If you can see something is trending on a specific city, for example, both on, on Spotify and, and on radio and, you know, social media, etc. That's, of course, even better. And then, of course, do not underestimate radio because we are in this, you know, streaming world where streaming is you know, sometimes almost everything, but you should not underestimate the radio. It is still by far the biggest medium, and I think it's around 2 billion people who listens to radio uh, during a week. So it is, you know, on a global scale, by far the biggest media for music. But um, so it's important that you understand that less can be more, especially if you know how to to use your data. Totally, totally. It's. I just uh, thought that it's uh, it's interesting. It's a re- a conversation, an industry conversation about radio, where we didn't even bring up the topic like if uh, radio still makes sense, who listens to radio, and so on. I, I think it's 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 it wasn't necessarily because, uh, especially in 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 the US and North America, radio is huge still, and we just I don't think we we need to get into the topic because. Uh, Yes, uh, streaming platforms may replace uh, radio eventually, especially as they hit uh, the cars, uh, you know, uh, and replacing radio receivers there and so on. But we just, yeah, it's still huge. I don't think that. We don't know yet how the radio format will look because, for example, in in, uh, Scandinavia, we are going into digital uh, radio DAP. So so that means that it's it's also going to be a lot easier for for people or for companies uh, to actually create radio stations. And I think also eventually the the fine line between what is a playlist, for example, and what is a radio station is, you know, already now getting a little blurry. Uh, So I don't necessarily think that streaming is just going to kill uh, radio as per se, but... But at least there will be some changes, of course. But it will just be interesting to see how it will evolve. Very, very interesting. Now we talked about that, so that's that's good. (laughs) So uh, everything, everything covered. Great stuff. Uh, Really looking forward to all the developments, new features. 
keep it up uh, keep up doing a great job at warm and thank you for sharing uh, how it all works and uh, all the other insights with our listeners thank you so much thank you so much to uh, andrew Very cool stuff. Once again, if you haven't checked it out yet, go to the website for Warm, which is warmmusic.net. Uh, you can also check out uh, the show notes, which I encourage you to do. Go to dotedmusic.com and find a blog post with the title of this show. As a reminder, this is Music Growth Talks episode. 119 and uh, you can also subscribe to the show if you haven't done so yet at musicgrowthtalks.com if it's not enough links for you then also go to patreon.com forward slash andrew apanov and consider supporting this podcast and what i do by becoming my patron which is just a dollar per month at least at this very moment when i'm recording this who knows maybe i will um, change something about Uh, the kind of rewards I'm uh, offering but if you become a patron now you will be grandfathered into all the great uh, bonuses and perks available to my patrons it's just all per month thank you all for uh, supporting me there it means uh, a lot it just really is uh, a massive way to show your support uh, and that's Uh, the, the, the content uh, I share uh, is helpful to you in one way or another. Uh, thank you once again and uh, stay tuned. Uh, really cool new episodes coming up uh, and uh, as usual also if you have any kind of request or feedback don't hesitate to drop me an email or hit me up on Twitter at MetaAndrew. Thank you until next time. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.